Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Our bi-week guest is a contributor at Outkick the Coverage. He's built a popular Twitter account with over 200,000 followers at Old Takes Exposed. You can follow him on Instagram and Facebook at Freezing Cold Takes. He's Fred Siegel. Fred, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Fred, for those who may not follow you or aren't familiar with your work, can you kind of give us a, a rundown on what it is exactly that you do? What I take is I'll take old predictions and old hot take or just regular take and I'll post them after they become wrong. (laughs) That's basically the gist of it. There's a lot of other things I do with the feed, but that's really the most of it. Kind of from an Alabama perspective, there seems to be the same cast of characters who no matter what take they ever have about Alabama, it somehow ends up being incorrect. Two of those are the Dans, Danny Cannell, Dan Wolken. Can you kind kind of give us an Alabama cold take greatest hits? Dan Wolken, I know, with the Ole Miss game 2015, he, he'll never hear the end of that one. <laughs> um, I, I think Bama fans push that in his face more than anything. I, now Tennessee fans kind of hit him with the Shiano stuff, I think, probably just as more than that. But 2015, Dan Wolken, after the game against Ole Miss, and I think all Bama fans know about this, but if they don't, Dan Wolken was at USA Today then. He's still at USA Today. He said, this was the game they lost in September. It was like end of September, right? Third or fourth game of the year. Now, to his, Alabama didn't look very good. And I, I would think that Alabama fans probably thought there was something wrong at the time. That was probably one of the few times where Alabama fans maybe were nervous. But he said that the dynasty is over. And he wrote an article about it. It's time to declare the dynasty dead. I actually had him on the podcast that I used to do called the Freezing Cold Take Spotlight Podcast. And I asked him about it. Because I, I would go over people's cold takes. And he talked about it more in, as a cosmic thing. As the dynasty is dead as we know it based on the theory, like the way that people think of Alabama. Uh-huh. That's kind of how he spun it. But he definitely hears about it all the time. Now, during that game, he said, if Ole Miss punches this in the end zone here, <laughs> you know... Yeah. That's it for Alabama. Yeah, we, we, like yeah we, we know we are very familiar with that. Yeah, one. Yeah, and they didn't actually punch it in, but I think that the take still kind of stood. They kind of took it to Alabama that game, so I think this, the tweet still stands. I, I know that Barrett Salee was big on Bama's dynasty being over. He wrote a whole article about it. It's officially done. <laughs> I actually confronted him on my Freezing Cold Take Spotlights podcast, and he kind of separated into two separate dynasties. Oh, come on. He thought the dynasty was over from 2009 to 2012, I guess it was. He thought the dynasty was over, and then they started a new one. That's That was his kind of... <laughs> What the hell is this? Like the Ying, the Ying Dynasty one, the Ying Dynasty two. Like, but he pushed that hard. Clay Travis did it twice in 2011. There was a big uptick, especially after the game of the century one, which was in Tuscaloosa, nine to six. Uh, yeah, nine to six. Yeah, Alabama lost that game. Both teams were undefeated. It was against LSU, and the year before, LSU beat Alabama at Tiger Stadium. That was probably Alabama's worst year under Saban. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Transition year after the championship. Championship. Yeah. A very disappointing season because they came in number one with all the hoopla. And, and I think Les Miles probably had one of his best teams, 2011. They were really good on defense. They came in, uh, or 96 or whatever. And then after that game was the big uptick on Les Miles is the best coach in college football. He's better than Saban because they had just won two in a row against Alabama. Of course, Alabama destroyed him in the national championship game. I don't know what LSU was doing on offense in that game. It seemed like they had no strategy whatsoever. But Clay Travis was definitely on board there with less miles being a better coach than saving 
Dan Wolken wrote an article, and I always make fun of him about it. it. It's time to stop considering Les Miles lucky. It's time to consider him the best coach in the country. God. <laughs> I don't know how I missed and, that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's funny. You, I have it, not seen I'll that. I'll tell you, because at the time, he was writing for this uh, outlet called The Daily, and it was like an experiment. It was only on iPads. Ah. It was a newspaper only on iPads. None of the articles are still around. His tweet about it is there. It's just the article you can't find. Danny Cannell had a great couple ones during the national. <laughs> Danny Cannell. <laughs> he always does. I think he's embraced his role. Yeah. Anti-SEC. This is what he did during the national championship game. I think it was, what, 14 to 3 Georgia went up? This year's national championship game. 2018. Yeah, it was 13 nothing. I think, at halftime. 13 nothing. That yeah. was it. 13-0 ball game, he said. Ball game. <laughs> then, I went on Feinbaum and did all these, too. When Saban switched out of Jalen Hurts to Tua in the second half, Cannell said, right when they came out, nothing like bailing on the QB who got you there, SMH. <laughs> Here's another one. I think after Tua threw an interception, he, he had a, his first drive, he may have had a three and out. Yeah, something. he did. Yeah, mm-hmm. threw a re- he threw a really bad interception one of his first drives <laughs> in that game, and Canell wrote Jalen Hurts has thrown one interception in 246 attempts this year, but let's go with the true freshman who's never played meaningful minutes. <laughs> uh, he wasn't alone, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a great game for me. I I was rooting for Alabama. I don't really have anything against Alabama right now. I'm a Florida fan, a Florida alum. I'm about as big as a Florida fan as you can get. I don't really have anything against Alabama these days. It's just so far beyond. We're not competitive. Well, I'd rather Alabama stop going into Florida and taking all the recruits. But <laughs> but there's so many big Alabama moments where people want the dynasty to be over. And one of them was after the kick six game. I don't know about this game that you speak of. Yeah. <laughs> We're not sure what you're talking about. One of my favorite all-time cold takes is this guy right as they were lining up or deciding to kick the 57-yard field goal, and some guy from like a Kansas City radio wrote, why not kick a 57-yard field goal if you're saving? What do you have to lose? Uh, well, after that game, Alabama lost to that bowl game to Oklahoma, the Trevor Knight game and the Sugar Bowl. I think Colin Cowherd was one of the big guys who said, that's it. It's Gus's conference now. Saban's concerned. It's over. <laughs> Yeah. Um, there were great things when Nick Saban was hired at Alabama. Oh, yeah. He was only really supposed good. to be there for, you know, two two or three years right. and, and move on. Right. Colin Cowherd on the radio. And these clips aren't around anymore. Colin Cowherd said this. The one everyone thinks is such a great job, and I don't, is Alabama. They have a bad athletic director. Ferris Bryant's son is your boss. They have wacko delusional boosters and absurd realistic scrutiny hyper-competitive environment. What's good about that? Now, Jim Rome said this. Maybe Alabama wouldn't be so quick to have fired Mike Shula. They knew that nobody in America mattered who wouldn't be willing to step in and replace him. But he said, look who's already said no. Nick Saban, pass. The old ball coach, no thanks. Frank Beamer, why should I? Bobby Petrino, downgrade. (laughs) (laughs) Rich Rodriguez, make me. Oh, and Jim Levitt wants nothing to do with you. That has to hurt. Being Alabama and getting the Heisman from the coach at South Florida, at least the U, was turned down by Rutgers. At this point, you might as well dig up Bear Bryant. Or better yet, see if Mike Price is still interested. (laughs) Trust me, you're not going to do any better. The front of the jersey may say Alabama, but name only. 
That program is nowhere right now. It's become an SEC afterthought. Enjoy the glory days of Bryant, Namath, Stabler, Stallings, Alexander, Price, because that's all you have, and that's not going to change. Yeah, look, I've long had the opinion that uh, Rita Rodriguez deserves her own statue at the Walk of Champions. So these people make it sound like the school that fired Shula after twelve and oh seasons, three SEC titles. But that's some of them. There's so many Alabama ones. One of them, funny one, was Tom Luganbill. Oh, I already know who <laughs> Julio going. Jones. Yeah, <laughs> no, not Julio Jones. Derek Henry. Oh. I oh, linebacker. Derek Henry. Yeah, linebacker. He said he yeah. was a linebacker. I had just started the account. And I put the night Derek Henry won the Heisman Trophy, I'd had the account for like a month. And I posted that he said that Henry was going to be a linebacker. And he went off on me. He said it was in my parents' basement, all this stuff. <laughs> it's just the, the Bama ones are endless because everyone looking for ways to say they're done. It's, it's kind of a lot, a lot of the same concepts with the Patriots. But I think it's moving towards, with Alabama now, it's moving towards that part where people, they're, they're definitely holding their breath when they say it now. But they don't really have much to say anymore. It's been so good the past three years with Alabama. Yeah, we, we all have our own personal favorites that uh, we like to reference a lot. And, you know, you brought up some good ones, too. And even one that I haven't even heard of with my buddy, old uh, Stay Walk is what I call him. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, he's pretty good with the feed, Dan. I know people that don't like him. I find him to be pretty honest about about his takes at the time. He's not afraid. And I don't find him to be somebody who's going to attach himself to a different coach or somebody who you know has favoritism. Like, you know, you know Pete Zamel is Urban Meyer's buddy. And, you know, Pat Forty loves Louisville. I don't find that with Wilkin. I find him to just say what he means. Well, he's taking it like a champ because, I, I, look, Wes can attest to it. I, I drum him, you know, <laughs> like I beat him like a redheaded stepchild at least 10 times a year. Um, I'll, send regard- you the, I'll send you the last mile one. I will need that when we get off. You need to message me that on Twitter so I can have that for sure. But look, Fred, I wanted to get an idea here because ever since you launched this, I, I kind of got on this train early with you uh, a few months after you started following you, you know, and I loved it. I've seen how much it's taken off. And I've always wanted to know, though, like, how does this system of yours work? Because I think it's more about in the beginning when you were gaining that traction, finding this stuff on your own, not getting it submitted to you. You know, how do you catalog and organize all this stuff? It's kind of like kind of like a myth. Uh, I have a big file folder and everything. I pretend like I do writing things down. But that's just really for engagement. The fact of the matter is, is I don't really have much of a file folder. Uh, I just do a search. By now, everyone sends me everything. Yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah. Uh, the way it works is, and you guys even know it. The way you guys even are talking about it with the Wolken thing, it's the same way with every single team. Yeah, everybody remembers the things that a journalist says about their team. If Herb Street says that Iowa is going to stink this year, everybody forgets. Nobody thinks about it. It's not something they remember. Iowa fans plug plug in on it the entire year, and if Iowa turns out to be good, they will all send it. To so once it matures into a cold take something matures into a cold take based on what happens, I'll get flooded with all the fans from that team. So is there is there maybe like one specific person who pops up on your radar more than anyone else? Like basically, who in the sports world kind of stands out to you as always being wrong about everything? Well, it's hard to say always being wrong. problem with me judging based on that is there's a certain amount of people who have their takes memorialized on social media more than others. Mm-hmm. Way more. Let's say Colin Cowherd, for instance. He used to have four hours of programming. He used to have a three-hour show and then one-hour TV show every day. Now he just has a three-hour radio show. Every single take he makes, especially with FS1 and Fox, 
is plastered all over every one of their social media feeds because they have the strategy of just pushing out all the hot takes. Those guys, it seems like they have worse takes than everybody else. But everyone else probably has a lot of bad takes, too. You just don't see them all the time. Now, guys like Skip Bayless, they just throw out <laughs> anything just to, to get a rise out of everybody. So I don't really use him that much sometimes, but I, I could use him every day if I wanted to. I don't. Yeah, I, look, I'll uh, get paid $5 million a year to say whatever the hell you want me to. Let me yeah, just go exactly. on record, you know. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care either. He never responds or anything like that. It's different. It's hard to say, but with, with college football, you know, I don't know – it depends. Everybody has their own opinions on everybody. Peter Burns from the SEC Network, he had a great one this year about top three quarterbacks in yep. the SEC. <laughs> I think two, I think uh, <laughs> two was number three. Hertz was number two. I don't even remember who was number Stidham. one. Stidham. Stidham, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, look, I'm going to yes. go bat for Peter, though. Um, we had him on the show back in January, and the one thing that Peter has that he does that I love that is so rare that you can see, too, as well with what you do, is the accountability, the self-awareness to have that accountability for being wrong. Because oh, back, yeah, in, yeah. back in 2016, before the season started, he, he had his all-time one when he said, you know, it's hard to find more than eight wins on Alabama's schedule. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a tough one. I mean, they just come off a title. I, I just don't see it like how you ever would ever come across Alabama winning less than uh, eight or less. It just doesn't make any sense. Their worst season was 2010, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess Saban's first season, 2007, technically. Oh, yeah, that doesn't but, count. Yeah, yeah right. Building, but, but, but after that, yeah, it was two, yeah, it was 2010, 10 and yeah, 3. 2010 was the last time they weren't in contention for a national championship at some right, point. Right, yeah. After they lost to LSU, and then they blew that game against Auburn. I think Alabama is, is a low margin for error in every way. I think with fans, too. I think it's a high, it's a very stressful situation. As a fan, because I remember I was rooting for Florida back in 2006 to 2008, and there's this level of dominance you want to maintain as a fan to be able to defend to everybody. So when anything bad happens or... Alabama doesn't look good for one game or they just they play a game. It hasn't happened this year, but they play a game where they, they barely win. Everyone's going to go and say, oh, they're not that good. They're overrated. And you have to kind of defend that as a fan. So you're what you want them to dominate every game. So it's like somewhat stressful as a Florida fan. Now, I, it hasn't been stressful at all because <laughs> we are so bad. Well, look, um, um, this year's this year's better, but most Florida fans are realistic. So, switching gears for a second, Fred, I wanted to put you on the spot. It doesn't necessarily have to be sports related, but what is your favorite all-time cold take you've dug up so far that you would print off and frame up on your wall? Oh, my favorite of all time is Jason Whitlock blow up the big three. That's my all-time favorite because I'm a Miami Heat fan. After the 2011 season, which the Heat lost to Dallas four to two. It was the first year of LeBron, Bosch, and Dwayne Wade. And Whitlock, like right after the series was over, probably a day after, wrote an article, blow up the big three, it's over. Get rid of LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. And the experiment's done. Of course, they went on to win back-to-back after that. That's my favorite. Yeah, you have to wonder so, like who the who the original cold taker was. Like, that was part, yeah, my, yeah, I'm sure there there's some like when the Red Sox traded Babe Ruth or something like there was some yeah. some writer praising them for for doing so. But. <laughs> oh yeah, well the Red Sox trading Babe Ruth, I actually tried to look for that because I have this newspapers.com uh-huh. where you go back a long time, and it was a it was a money pinching move. 
I mean, they just got rid of them. But I don't think I think everyone was upset. But the, the way that they wrote it back then, it was so democratic and pragmatic, and uh, there was no hot takes. Right. So it was hard. Like I, it's hard to even understand what they were saying. The English. All right, Fred. <laughs> wait, I have I have one more for you, and uh, and we'll let you go. You said you're a Florida alum, so I kind of have to come clean. We talked about this on last week's episode, but I had zero faith in Florida this season. I looked at their roster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I looked at the roster before the season started, and there were basically only a few names that even stood out to me. It did not look like a typical Florida roster. I thought that they may not even make a bowl game. Was I way off base on that, like solely judging them by the roster, or has Dan Mullen kind of performed a miracle? If you looked at their schedule, seven games wasn't out of the question. Eight games wasn't out of the question. But they've definitely overachieved so far. They lost the Kentucky game, which would have been bad if he talked about it before the season. But Kentucky's turned out to be very good. I think they would play Kentucky a lot better now. Kentucky just destroyed us punches in the mouth and I think a lot of things have changed since then but they just took it to us the game wasn't even as close as the score made it out to be they just turned the ball over a couple times but he's done really well he's gotten the best out of this team the quarterback is serviceable but average best the defense has been a pleasant surprise because we have two edge rushers in Ja'Kai Polite and Jabari Zuniga who are really really good they weren't as good last year. They've turned out to be great. That's really kind of where the defense has been very good, except for the Kentucky game where we gave up 300 yards rushing. But ever since that game, it's been really good. The offense it doesn't make mistakes. The quarterback, we want him to be better, but I think Mullen's done a great job. It's a great job for the first year for him. But I know Florida fans. Florida fans and Florida alums want the best. They want to be competitive with Alabama every year. And they want to be competitive. Now that Georgia's really good, they're not going to be happy if Georgia is better than them every year. So it's nice. It's nice for Mullen. And he can lose next week to Georgia. Fine. Seven-point dogs. But it's nice for him to do all that and have a great season this year. But by year three, better start being great or people are going to be upset. The problem is, is his recruiting has been eh so far. And Georgia, look, Alabama we know is going to recruit like crazy and dominate. Georgia recruiting, like the way they're recruiting, is going to start pissing off Florida people if we can't recruit really well. And they certainly don't want Florida State to kick our ass in recruiting like they've been in the past. That's where we stand with Florida. But yes, it's been a surprise. The Mississippi State game was an expected loss. Certainly the LSU game was great. I mean, we're going to play Missouri in two weeks. We're going to be touchdown favorites or less. So that could easily be a loss. Uh, you never know with this team. I mean, we were down 21-3 to Vanderbilt in the first quarter, first half last week. So. Right. But it's not like we're guaranteed wins after Georgia. Yeah. But uh, he certainly can't lose to Florida State, and he has to beat Miami next year. Uh, you think UF fans hates Florida State and Georgia and Tennessee. We despise Miami. <laughs> yeah. And if he loses to Miami, uh, <laughs> that won't be good. So. All right. Well, he's Fred Siegel. Follow him on Twitter at Old Takes Exposed, uh, on Instagram and Facebook at Freezing Cold Takes. Fred, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks, Thank you so much. It's so fun. All right. This has been the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. Roll Todd.